Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and uh, I am so excited today because we're going to have a, a special commemorative Polish episode of the Catholic Cafe. <laughs> I'm Deacon Jeff Trzymski, uh, and so uh, and you'll understand later when I introduce our guest, but also uh, Thomas Patrick O'Dorian. <laughs> hello, Tom, Tom Dorian. And, ski today, Dorianski. Dorianski today. Yeah, Dorian-ski. right. All right, right and right. then we have. Uh, uh, Sam Ziggy Rodriguezki. Rodriguezki, yes. Yeah. So everyone is a uh, everyone is a um, an honorary uh, pole today because what we we have uh, Antek Tampolski. 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 Get closer to the microphone because I know you're scared of him in Poland, but here in America we get closer to the microphone. And that means Tom from Poland. Tom from Poland. Yes, exactly. So we have we have a Bizarro Tom present here. Exactly. It's like it's like it's like the Polish Catholic Cafe Tom. Yes. Wow, that is really neat. To, that's really good. So uh, hopefully uh, you do as well as our Tom here does. Uh, but uh, uh, so uh, Antek Tampolski is visiting. You're from Poland. Yes, you live I'm in from Poland, Poland yes. but you are visiting the United States. Yes, visiting for four weeks. Yeah, so I'm glad. So you're. What are you doing in town then? What do you What do you come to the United States for? So I'm uh, campus crusade staff, and uh, I'm visiting partners. Partners so you, in our ministry. You were in involved in campus crusades for Christ. Yes. Uh, many Many of our listeners have probably heard about that group in the United States. They're very popular, uh, and it and it's a. It came out of the Protestant Church, and it's it's pretty much a Protestant organization. But what's interesting is you being a Catholic mm-hmm. uh, and being yes. involved in uh, this, uh, with partnering with this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd love to hear. A, what I thought would be neat is if we could talk a little bit uh, on tech about faith in Poland. Now, a lot of people don't stop and think why that might even be important. But when I think about what's happening in Western Europe, what's happening in Eastern Europe with, with, uh, with our, our faith, with belief in God, you know, in general, but then also uh, what's happening in the United States, I, mean, I think we see everywhere a sort of a decline of the <coughs> importance of of religion in general, a belief in God, I say in general, and then more specifically, specifically like the Catholic faith and people staying Catholic, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it'd be, it'd be kind of interesting to talk a little bit about faith in Poland and what that looks like. So if I was to get a, give you the microphone, which I've done, you know, how, in a nutshell, what would you say about faith in Poland right now? So I think uh, we are on the same stream like uh, all Western Europe countries, uh, but they, we are just slower, and we try. So you're to on the stream of this kind of a decline. Yes, yes. Right, but you're declining but we try slower. To, we try to learn because we have a little time. You know, we look at the Western countries and see, try to learn from their mistakes. Maybe in the, you know liturgy, maybe in. Uh, like uh, other church activities, so uh, I think the part of our, you know, Poland is a Catholic country. Ninety-six, ninety-eight percent of Polish people are baptized in Catholic Church, and uh, many of them, like eighty, eighty-seven percent, call themselves Catholic still. And uh, even among the youth, isn't that correct? Yeah, isn't also among the youth. Uh, even if they rejected or they complained the church, they still. 
consider themselves as a Catholic. So is some of that um, essentially um, a cultural thing? I mean, this is how they were raised. This is how they've always been um, in terms of their Catholic identity. Yes, but I think the same you can tell about the Western Europe. Uh, so there's kind of a, a difference we're going. And I, I believe there are some uh, special reasons why we slow down the whole secularization process. Why, why people will refuse mm. to totally abandon their faith altogether. In other words, you're saying that there's, it's slower, because when you're talking about the same that goes on in maybe Western Europe, I, I remember a story not too long ago where uh, some Italian legislature or there were some laws being proposed to take crucifixes out of uh, public buildings and schools. I remember them talking about this, and then the people basically violently erupted and said, "You no, you can't take the crucifixes down, um, but still they have like you know 7% of people or 12% of people, whatever, going to church on Sundays. So they, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily practice their Catholic faith, but if you try to take away their crucifix... Actually, we have the same situation in Poland, but the difference is that 30 years ago, we put crosses to school again after communist time. Ah, so after the communist yes. struggles, because that, yeah. is, that is unique, I guess, to Polish history. Yes. Um, you know, and even for a little while there, when um, uh, the Germans came, and, and for a while, Polish's, the Poland's borders were kind of erased for a period of time, literally yeah. during after right after right at World War II time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's there was always a national identity crisis, I guess. But but you guys had a sort of a faith rebirth, something like that. So we resisted communist system. We uh, expressed it by uh, going to church and being connected to church because the church was uh, considered as a freedom place, so place of free speech, place where we can express our deep thinking without persecution. And uh, So uh, I think it's also connected that we are still feel, you know, look for the church in, in really better perspective than the, the rest of Europe. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Sam, I was going to ask you, uh, did, do you see any interesting uh, not necessarily parallels, but some maybe some lessons learned for the United States. You know, when you watch uh, how some people, um, it seems like they want they 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 invite uh, uh, maybe a governmental scrutiny of religion. In other words, you know, to maybe wash religion away, and then what happens is you wash away the religion, and you realize you've lost your freedom at that point. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it seems to me that in the United States today. We have a lot of young people who, unfortunately, are viewing religion as a in the church as a system of oppression, as opposed to a means of fighting oppression. And we have a lot of folks confused about what true oppression is, because they haven't been through something like a communist dictatorship, communist rule. Right. And that's, I guess, I guess where I bring that up, and, and I think it's such a blessing to have uh, Antek Tampolsky here to help us and to see that... Uh, you know, some of the things that, that we might set as ideals and goals might actually be, uh, you know, we could learn a little bit from what happened in Poland. And we might, we have some young people on tech. I don't know if you've kept up with all of our politics, but we have some young people that are really enamored, first and foremost, by maybe a socialist kind of system, which is just a stone's throw from communism, right? It's not that far off. And, and your, your country in its recent past has experienced 
that very thing. And then this sort of um, using or, or realizing the church was, was a means of expression of your unhappiness with communism, right? To be able to, to live. Now, that wasn't well received from the communists, was it? I mean, it was obviously they probably tried to clamp down. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's true, and we have the same time of, you know, liberalism uh, like you, are, you have here, yeah. so it's no big difference. But I think that people on my age, you know... People You're from, 140 years old, right? Uh, something <laughs> like 50. He, he 50s, looks very young, it's, it's the diet. Of the, the 50s, uh, they still remember, you know, that mm. the church was the place of real freedom, and not only... Like a political freedom, but also research freedom. You need to remember the communist system. When it came to some idea, they oppressed everybody who think different. Even wow. if it's a science, it's a history, theology, anything. So, um, yeah, church was the place for real freedom research and freedom speech on any topic. So. Well, I, I'm I'm really interested in the in the in the idea that you decided to put the crucifixes back in that you that you essentially said no uh, to communist oppression and said we we demand this and and stood up and and did those things and the people all sort of together realizing the the power of the people as it were uh, in a way in a in a beautiful expression of of faith I. I um, I, again, I remember, I can see this in another light, and this may sound odd, but I remember one time I went on a diet that involved literally no more French fries, right? So starches and stuff like that, and I'd wipe them out, and I was amazed at when when it was gone, how much all of a sudden I, I craved it. Now, I'm not comparing French fries and faith, but I am saying that, that when you take away something that is culturally yours, right, that... Maybe you don't fully appreciate it for what it's worth, but then when it's forced away from you, mm-hmm. you suddenly have this new hunger, uh, and then you you stand up and you and you take it back. Yes, I'm sure we had as a nation hunger for God uh, during communist system, and uh, we were fighting for churches. We were really honoring priesthood in Poland, and uh, yeah. So so finally, the communist system did not decide to you know burn the churches or ruin the church they tried to infiltrate it so the rule from inside but it was also big resistance inside among the priesthood and bishops um, they had some victories you know but uh, generally saying that the church was strong and uh, yeah, I think people remember it and it, it changed you know they like I said people in my age, they remember goods they received from church. And um, that's, I think, have impact for their decision today. Even if they don't like everything, you know, what they hear about church, or they don't like special people in the church, they still church as a general. It's really more people in Poland and in Western Europe they appreciate the, the church is and the, the church guidance in the faith. That that is so beautiful to know. And again, it's the kind of thing that gives me a little bit of hope, as I think that uh, you know, specifically from a um, you know an American perspective, to look at our world and our politics and uh, the role of the church and how we continue to 
you know, banty about ideas and how at the, at the heart of all those ideas there are truths that we should be discussing. Uh, and, and it helps, I think it helps me to hear that there is an entire people uh, in, in Poland that lived the denial of those truths or the oppression of those truths uh, and the importance of standing up for it. We're talking to Antek Dampolski, and I know I'm saying that wrong, but, right, you know, it's right. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but I would like to say that uh, from Poland, from our perspective, we look at America as a, you know, still uh, country of faith. And I see that you are not proud that what you have here because it's declining. And we are not proud what we have in Poland too, which means it's still declining. But uh, we try to learn, and uh, I'm the man of hope. So I, I think God can <laughs> solve the problem, and uh, I trust God that He find the right time for the church to raise up again, to be strong, and uh, to to lead people to the. To hope, what is you know church about? You know, give them hope, give people hope and truth. So beautifully said. Uh, Antek Tompolski is um, the man. Tom from Poland, as his name <laughs> implies, uh, is our guest, and we're talking about faith in Poland uh, and learning a lot uh, that can be applied in the United States. Uh, we're going to continue with uh, Antek right after we take a break. Uh, and, but before we do that, take that break, I do want to remind folks at home we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you, uh, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And Sam, yes. so tell me about uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter and, yes. and Instagram. Please follow us on, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Please like and share our posts. That means a lot and helps get our, uh, get our name out there. Wonderful. All right. So with that, we'll be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. How can someone so small and weak in the eyes of the world have such a tremendous impact on the spiritual lives of millions around the globe? St. Therese of Lisieux, better known as the Little Flower, was this small person. Born in France over a century ago, she has changed the spiritual landscape of the entire world. St. Therese believed that little things done with great love were more pleasing to God than the mightiest deeds. She wrote, Love proves itself by deeds, so how am I to show my love? Great deeds are forbidden me. The only way I can prove my love is by scattering little flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least action for love. The little flower grew up as the youngest of five living children. She was a sensitive child who felt things deeply. These deep feelings and her thoughtful attitude led her to a strong prayer life at a very young age. By her own account, she would find a quiet place and spend hours contemplating the love of the Heavenly Father. As Therese entered her teen years, her older sisters began to go into religious life. This led the little flower to seek entrance to the Carmelite Monastery at the tender age of 14. She was initially refused by the superiors of the order, but her persistence paid off by taking her appeal all the way to the Pope in Rome. 
the superiors of the order were impressed by her persistence and maturity and allowed her to enter the Carmelite order at the age of 15. The next nine years were spent in quiet contemplation and service inside the tiny convent in Lisieux. Toward the end of her time in the convent, she began to suffer from the effects of tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, a deadly infectious disease that attacks the lungs, leaves the sufferer with a chronic cough, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. St. Therese suffered seriously from this disease. She was reported to have said, I have reached the point of not being able to suffer anymore because all suffering is sweet to me. She accepted her affliction as a gift from God and saw it as a sign of his friendship with her. Little everyday things done in great love can lead us to a life of grace and deeper union with Christ. The little flower can show us the way. I'm Bess Trzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, and I'm talking to... Sam Rodriguez-Ski and Tom Dorian-Ski. Yes, sir. Yeah, hello. And uh, also, uh, we have a guest, a wonderful guest, who is uh, Mr. Antek Pampolski. And Antek... Antek Tampolski. Yeah, Tampolski. Tampolski. Good. I'm going to say it right one day, and then it's going to be like the end of the world. because Jesus is coming back when I say it correctly. It'll be like in the end times. It'll be a sign of the end times. So, um, Antek, we're talking about, you know what, we started just talking about faith in Poland, because you're a Pole from Poland, you're Tom yes. from Poland, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, but we didn't really talk about you. Um, now, we, what, what, uh, what do you do for a living? Okay, so I introduced myself a little uh, more, uh, so... I apologize for my English. This is my third language. Your, your, your English is, is a lot better than my Polish. Okay, mm. but we had to learn Russian uh, as our second language. Oh. So many Polish speak Russians, and then English as a third language. So apologize all of those who cannot understand me. No problem. Well, oh, we'll use subtitles for them. Exactly. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, so what I do for... Uh, so. I studied computer science at the time when there was a prohibition for computer machines in Poland. Always so, the rebel. Yeah, and then um, how did you? No, wait. How did you study that when there was a time of a prohibition? Yeah, I mean, did you have to like secretly yeah, behind the butcher's down. office? Ah. Yeah, so there was more theoretical studies, okay. and we sneak under the table the machines we can, the computers we can oh. use, and uh, yeah, but. After I finished, 88 was close to the end of the communist system, uh, especially on this kind of we had right. oppression. And I started to work for university and started to have a good career. And uh, God called me to the different place. And after six months of thinking and making decisions, I started to be fully dedicated to mission field and discipleship mission. Wow. So you went from uh, having sort of a desk job or working at university. Were you teaching? Or? I, I made research. Okay. Doing, uh, so you're a researcher yeah. at university. 
Uh, and then somehow, now how did God call you? Was it a telephone call or? Uh, <laughs> so there's a story um, that I was involved in Campus Crusade or we say Oasis Ministry in Poland. And uh, in the middle of my studies, I realized how the gospel is important for everybody. So I would like to finish my studies and go to the mission, priesthood, anywhere. But my, um, the guy who was my leader in a small group, uh, he asked me, what do your parents think about your decisions? Did they pay for your studies two and a half years? And I said, yes, they paid. So what did they think? I, I know what they <laughs> So I decided to finish. I, and I discovered that my studies are my calling right now. So I got better grades. So after I finished, I got you now job at the university and made research on the field I really liked. It was artificial intelligence. So I wow. really like this. <laughs> so I would, I would just point out to all of our listeners, especially our young ones, that Antek went and stayed in school because he realized his parents were paying for it and that he, you, you, I guess you owed it to them to do what they had paid for. So you finished out that so that you didn't just like bail and say, sorry, you paid all this money for nothing, but... Uh, yes. I just, I just, uh, I, I, you know, I'm a father of nine, so I care about what kids do, <laughs> and uh, I think yeah. it's wonderful for you to have done that. So, yeah, I'm father of four and grandfather of two, so awesome. I also take care for they do and for their cho- cho- choices. But uh, I believe that the, the personal choices should be discussed with God the first, and then for the other people, including parents. Antic, you made reference to the Oasis movement. Now, if I'm yes. not mistaken, the Oasis movement was a movement that began in the late 70s and the 80s in Krakow in Poland. Uh, uh, it was in Krakow. It's in Poland. And in Poland. Mm-hmm. And Pope John Paul II, before he was Pope, he was Archbishop of Krakow, mm-hmm. and he was a, a supporter. Supp- yes, he was a supporter of this movement, yes. Do you want to talk about the Oasis movement uh, a little bit and its legacy yeah. on yeah, in the church? Sure, because, uh, you know, I, I, I was born in the... In the small village at the country, we have a saying that the birds turn over, uh, turn out over our city because there is nothing else. Oh, so they they, they fly and they they go like, there's nothing here, and they go back. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, but we had a wonderful priest, and uh, he invited us for the retreat organized by Oasis Movement when I finished my uh, was the ninth, ninth grade and uh, at this retreat I realized what is actually my relationship with God you know uh, I didn't didn't think deep about it before and uh, so I started to you know think more pray more and uh, during my college I met the ministry led by Campus Crusade for Christ and because this Campus Crusade had influence for Oasis movement. I was like a children of Oasis movement, child of uh, Oasis movement, and uh, yeah, that's where my faith was growing. But a lot growing. of our a lot of our listeners aren't going to be familiar with the Oasis movement. Could you tell us a little bit about what makes okay. it special? Oasis movement was started by priest in Poland, Father Blachnicki, and it was started for uh, you know those. Uh, Youth who serve in church, serve in altar during the masses, and uh, very quick he realized that to have a really devotion in church, he needs to care for the whole life of these kids. So started to care for their prayer, like a Bible devotion, you know, uh, daily life, and started movement who grew up pretty fast among young people. I think Oasis movement was also 
uh, strongly focus on evangelization, like bringing others to the movement, to the deeper relationship with God, to experience the Holy Spirit. So, uh, I think that's kind of beautiful because, again, it's something that we can learn from because a lot of people think like, well, you know, what we do at Mass doesn't matter. What really matters is how we serve the poor or how we, uh, you know, help those in need or whatever. And and you tend to separate those things sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this was service is service. So service to God, service in the liturgy, service to the mm-hmm. priest, service to the parish, but then mm-hmm. also service to the people. What is your life at home like? Yes. What yes. is your prayer life like? And you see a connection. And I just think that's a beautiful mm-hmm image because a lot of times people say well it doesn't matter you know if you go to mass no no you cannot separate one from another right. they, they're going together always and i have a, a lot of testimonies even today when young people really experience god in their life they go uh, both direction they started to serve the poor but also they're going to church even on daily basis i can i can tell about my children you know they really yeah, wake up at five in the morning just to go to church before the classes, and uh, many people do this because they experience God in, you know, in church during the mass, serving the poor, reading the Bible, in prayer, in community, everywhere they experience God. You know, and uh, it's connected. So I think this is so beautiful. I really appreciate you coming here, Antek Tampolski, and to tell us, you know, what your faith life has been like in Poland. Uh, how, what a faithful man you are. But if you were to leave us with like just a word or two to uh, our young people. Okay, so I think that everywhere is the most important to focus on the family, to focus on your relationship with parents and for parents with children because the, the, this is how we can learn to build relationship and with the relationship with God as the, the final relationship. Beautiful. Words of wisdom from Poland. You heard it here. So, Antek Tompolski, we thank you so much for being with us. Uh, and you know, we normally close out, Sam, with a uh, with a Hail Mary yes. and ask for Our Lady for her intercession. But we've never had it said in Polish before. Now, I don't know it in Polish, and Sam, I'm assuming you don't. No. However, we have a resident expert in Polish. Yes. And so, Antek, will you say the Hail Mary for us in Polish and everyone else can listen and we can all sort of pray with our hearts? How about that? Yes. Okay. All right, so give okay. us, this is the Hail Mary in Polish, so don't think you've accidentally tuned into the wrong program. This is the Catholic Cafe. Antek, thank you so much for being here, and let's hear the Hail Mary in Polish. Zdrowaś Mario, łaskiś pełna, Pan z Tobą, błogosławionaś Ty między niewiastami i błogosławiony owoc żywota Twojego, Jezus. Święta Mario, Matko Boża, módl się za nami grzesznymi, teraz i w godzinę śmierci naszej. Amen. That's beautiful in any language. Thank you, Antec. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.